Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert Don Pizzette, DevOps engineer Justin Dennison, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter. Well, that whole intro just feels like a lie today uh, because we are missing Justin Dennison, uh, who... Don, you said he's at the DMV, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, he's at the DMV. Identity (laughs) theft is real, but entire Justin theft is an all-new thing. Is that what happened? Yeah, he's gone. Plus, those kidnappers had their hands full with Justin, because you know he fought back. (laughs) So it was kind of like in that movie Taken. He called me, and he was like, they're in the building. And I said, all right, uh, just call me back later when you figure all that out. (laughs) (laughs) I I could just see him taking his shirt off, greasing himself up, and... Making a, a, a real problem for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I have a very special set of skills that do not pertain to the situation that you're yeah. in right now. So, so I got to uh, go do these, very, uh, these very shows the today. Well, uh, we are joined, not, not that anyone can replace Justin, um, but we are joined today by Brad Hayes, who is the CTO over at Circadians. How are you doing, Brad? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us and uh, and your plant as well. Um, we wanted to, uh, to first kind of... Uh, well, Circadians, I actually met them at an FCA show uh, and got to to play the little have you have you played with the range before? I have yeah I saw it uh, I think I actually saw it two years ago at Infosec, Infosec World, World. Yeah. yeah okay so people are probably at home saying what are you talking about um, so let's go ahead and get into our first segment rapid fire questions and find out what Sir Cadence and Brad are all about who do you work for what's new who are you what's happening what's wrong with you all right, so I said I, I had a chance to, to play with the range, and people don't know what I'm uh, what I'm talking about. So why don't you help us out and explain a little bit about what Circadence does, and, and specifically uh, you know, what the cyber range is all about? Absolutely. So Circadence is at heart uh, a training and cyber education company. So our core product, our flagship product, is this. Uh, uh, you mentioned cyber range called Project Ares. So a cyber range is basically a virtual clone of IT infrastructure. So we're talking about a high fidelity simulation where you have virtual machines networked together. Everything's running uh, real copies of all of the software that you'd expect to be finding on those machines. Um, you experience uh, network traffic akin to having uh, you know people actually using those machines. So we like to think of it more as uh, a training ground that you can set up kind of how you want um, without actually damaging your real infrastructure. And so on top of that, we build these learning environments where um, we have these sort of gamified scenarios where people are accomplishing objectives. Uh, We have live in-game help uh, to kind of guide people along and really just try to ratchet up the engagement so that people are, uh, you know, better uh, equipped to actually absorb the information that they're trying to learn. Now, it seems like you do a lot of this stuff as we've looked at your site and everything and talked to you guys before. It's it's really cool, your cyber range. It seems to be very geared toward the military, but is it also available to private organizations? Absolutely. So while uh, we do have nation state customers, um, we actually find a lot of benefit for both an enterprise and academia. Uh, in fact, the University of Colorado Boulder uses Project Ares in one of their cybersecurity classes. Uh, and we, we're seeing Project Ares be adopted uh, in cyber competitions like cyber gaming. So I would argue that um, this is a, a, a fantastic use case for Project Ares where, uh, you know, we can train the next generation of cyber professional um, and that happens pretty much everywhere, right? So outside of government, uh, outside of uh, enterprise, also within academia as well. 
Now, I know the one that I got to mess around with was one that I think it was actually targeted towards a, a military program. And uh, it was really cool because you had a video that popped up and it was a lady. She she kind of gave me my mission. And and then you, you had a mixture of, of network maps and virtual machines that were popping up. And I thought it was neat because we've seen labs where there's just virtual machines. You get dumped in there and you do a job. But having a story behind it, a narrative and, and all that was really cool. Uh, what I saw were just security ones, though, you know, like labs for security admins, security officers. And at the time, because this was like two years ago, they said they were about to branch out into other system administration and other types of areas. Did, did you guys ever get there? Or is it still focused on security? No, we, we did. Uh, so we have a bunch of different learning paths that map to uh, NIST NICE uh, roles. And uh, we've just rolled out uh, badging and achievements. And as you mentioned, a lot of these uh, kind of gamified elements to keep people engaged and really uh, encourage this learning process. Uh, so we find that that's quite motivating to keep people uh, involved in coming back to the simulation. We have artificial adversaries, like opponents that you might find in the game, uh, just so that running the same mission is never quite uh, going to be the same uh, experience for you to keep you coming back to reinforce those lessons. So one of the cool things I know in, in the video game world, which is kind of, you know, we're doing a little crossover here, uh, is the ability to, to create your own levels and, and, and build boards. And I noticed that you have something called the Battle Room Builder. So is, is that what that's, uh, what's going on with that? And people can kind of customize it for their experience? Absolutely. So that's one of the, from my perspective, one of the really cool aspects of this is that we've made it really easy for people to develop their own content so that you can really... Uh, experience to your own organization. Uh, so in that case, we have um, these uh, uh, tools that people can use where they can just drag and network infrastructure down. Uh, and with that, they can inject their own scenarios into project areas. And our, our final question is always, uh, Brad, what is your problem? I would say uh, my problem uh, is trying to uh, make education scalable, right? So uh, getting out of classroom-based uh, static presentation style learning and into this kind of engaging dynamic uh, kind of environment. Uh, and so that involves a lot of really interesting problems in AI, machine learning, um, in content delivery, and natural language understanding. All, all kinds of interesting fields in AI and machine learning come together for this. I'm really impressed. He actually took that question seriously. Yeah, like seriously. Most people want to fight me. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for like questionable surfing habits He's or like, something. Well, what's your problem? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, Circadence so looks really cool and, and getting to play with it is a lot of fun. So, um, uh, you know, I, I am enjoying seeing what's coming out of there and, and what you guys uh, come up with in the future. And you can probably help a lot of the companies we're going to talk about today, uh, especially the one in our, our next segment here, which is Who Got Pwned? Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! So this is someone that, uh, Don, you were mentioning we've we've actually seen problems with before, and I'll give you the headline here from uh, TechCrunch.com. LabCorp, security labs exposed thousands of medical documents. And you said this was not the, the first time that, that LabCorp has let people know all about my blood. Yeah, it's, you know, LabCorp, if you're not familiar with them, I think most people probably are, uh, is an organization used by a ton of different hospitals, but also employers, people who do uh, like workplace drug testing, uh, you know, the random drug testing, random here for us is we just <laughs> pick Peter and send him off yeah, every yeah. couple of months. Again? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's totally no profile random. here at all. Yeah. It's totally, completely totally random. random. Uh, so, you know, they handle doing a lot of the testing. So they're they're somewhat outsourced for uh, for these organizations, but that means they have a lot 
of medical records. And it's not the same relationship that you would have with like your, uh, I don't know, general practice medical, what general, your do- I don't know, whatever your, your doctor, primary <laughs> physician, care, whatever, yeah. you know, somebody you know that you see repeatedly throughout the year. Here, it's some disconnected company you don't really think about, but they've got all your medical results, the, the, the results of your tests, quite a bit of data, especially things like social security number, because they use that for billing. And that's actually what happened to LabCorp back in 2017, is that the collection agency they were using, which I've forgotten the name of them, like AMCA or something like that. Um, it was Bob's collection it's, agency. It's somewhere here <laughs> in the article, I'm sure, uh, where the collections company got breached. And so all the collections data, well, you know, the people who are doing collections, they do dings on your credit report. So they have your mailing address, your account numbers, your social security number, because they use that for the credit reporting side of things. Well, this time it's not the, you know, subsidiary organization or whatever they got popped. LabCorp had a CRM. So they had a, uh, you know, a customer database, uh, just a management suite that was for internal use, but it was exposed to the internet. Uh, and how did they, did they say how that happened? Like, did somebody just wire it up or just hook it into the web app? Or So they haven't said, but the odds are that they leverage a lot of remote employees because they have people all over the world. So they probably just said, look, it's got SSL. <laughs> it's a secure web page. You're good to go. People can log in remotely and access the customer data. Only employees would do it. That's right. I'm right? going to set a super awesome password called, you know, winter 2020 yeah. <laughs> exclamation point. So it, That's what, what makes that it from? safe. That's from something. Winter 2020, I've seen that before. Yeah, it's like a common password. That's why. All right, yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, because you have to change your password every 90 right. days, so you can just and change it with just the just go, season. oh, it's, it's this. Uh, that would give you four passwords a year. Yeah, there spring 2020. And it's extremely common. Well, if you stick an exclamation point on the end, it's okay, right? That's what makes it safe. Ah, hello. <laughs> well, the winter, you'd make the You'll I never an guess point. that. Oh. Yeah, man, and the E's a three. That actually <laughs> would make it much more secure. Fleet speed. But not secure enough. <laughs> so... So in this case, though, it's a matter of they had an internal system exposed to the internet. The system had a vulnerability. Uh, you know, even if it didn't have a vulnerability, they probably an attacker probably could have fished their way into it. Uh, and once they gained access to it, they had access to roughly 7.7 million patients worth of data. Oh, I was uh, I was afraid it was going to be a lot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> small compared to some. Um, Although, you know, there, there were differing numbers that were batted about because they were saying about 10,000 documents were exposed. Well, this 7.7 7 million right. uh, that you're looking at, Don, that, that, that from the prior that's talking breach? about, well, that's saying that there's a breach in June. That was the to, previous breach. Oh, well, great. that's credit card This data. breach, I think they were saying that they verified up to 10,000. 10,000 documents. Yeah. Uh, as that's what they know so far. Uh, but those documents are things like medical test reports, which is pretty bad. What I love about this is like they're saying, that, oh, yeah, you know. And in the cookie jar, we got breached. Yeah, ten, but it's only like ten thousand records, and then like oh. two weeks they'll come out and go. It's like a hundred thousand records. And more. A couple of other weeks they'll, you know, it's like six. Yeah, million. and then it's not the headline yeah. anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So no one cares. Hey, Brad, is uh, is this the kind of thing like uh, that that people could uh, gamify basically with with their cadence? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that thing would be all right. Your first mission, put a good password, or yeah. don't put this. Well, on I the mean, internet. with Sir Cadence, you'd be able to like. Or, or let me ask it this way. Could you build a very similar environment? Let's say I was LabCorp. Could I go to Circadence and say, I'm going to make a very similar environment to what we see in our production environment and then test against that? 
Absolutely. And in fact, that that's the original spirit uh, behind releasing our mission builder is so that you you could duplicate your infrastructure and then you could run web scraping on it. Um, really, you could you could do whatever you need to you know kind of do to test it, which is legal. Uh, now. In, in this case, it seems like um, th this should have been discoverable uh, because I believe they they the some web crawler indexed one of the critical records. And then by Jeez. incrementing the ID, you can just access the rest of them. I can just so, Google uh, it now. Yeah, you could definitely see that. <laughs> I just keep thinking like medical web scraping is now legal in our state. <laughs> Would you rather have your uh, your credit card information uh, stolen or your your health information? Uh, I'll go health information any day of the week because I don't have a lot of yeah. health. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of in the same boat on the health information side, yeah. but there's something. It depends on what what that information is. Uh, like if they know that I have colorectal cancer, I mean, sure, that sucks. But so so like I wouldn't dream of using twenty three and Me. Right. right, because I would never use it again. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, one and done yeah, for Peter. <laughs> Your DNA, right? The, the technology is not necessarily there now, but in the future, I yeah. imagine somebody would be able to take DNA and figure out your fingerprint right. or, or something. You know, and, and that's something that once it's out there, you're yeah. just screwed. It's out, right? Uh, versus a credit card, I can get another credit card number. Yeah, could they clone a hand based off of your DNA and grow a finger to? <laughs> like it worked in the movies, kill people. <laughs> well, let's. Oh, Don, uh, you murderer! You. <laughs> we've got a we've got a lot of news to talk about, so let's go ahead and, and get to that. Mouth. But first, we're gonna uh, take a quick break. Uh, I'm gonna Google if you can actually make a fingerprint from my DNA, and uh, we'll be right back on the Technado with Don Pizet right after this break. An IT team that's upskilled and ready for any challenge. How do you get there? Join thousands of other IT leaders and let IT Pro TV be your resource. With more than 4,000 hours of IT training, IT Pro TV gives your team a resource to go to. The most popular vendors CompTIA, Microsoft, Cisco, Linux, Apple, AWS, and more. The hottest tech, cloud, security, networking, and more. What's next for your organization? Whether it's an implementation, cloud migration, more workstation support, or new technology, you're covered. With IT Pro TV, you can rest easy. Your team will always be ready. It's binge-worthy learning for IT pros. Get a free trial for your team today. Visit www.itpro.tv business. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pizet. It's time to get to the news. Uh, reminder, we have our guest Brad Hayes with us uh, from Circadence, and he's going to help us out uh, as we unpack all of this stuff. Uh, we talked about uh, all of our, our fluids uh, being out there on the Internet. And speaking of being out, uh, Gina Rometty is out as CEO of IBM, and its cloud boss is replacing her. And is that just uh, an indication of how important cloud is now uh, to companies that, that – that's the person that you you move up. I think so. Although in this case, you know, they keep calling him their their cloud boss, but he's really not so much cloud, right? Like when you think of cloud, who's the number one cloud provider? Right? AWS. Be Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. AWS. Right. We don't even need science for that. We just know like, <laughs> we they have a dominant market share. <laughs> Microsoft Azure, big right. player in the cloud space. Uh, you know, but when I say IBM, what's the name of IBM's cloud service? 
IBM <laughs> cloud service? When when you don't even know the name of it. Was that like wrong? They're, they're, I yes. don't know. Watson Cloud? <laughs> I don't think it has a name. You see, Watson, a lot of people think of Watson, which doesn't really make IBM much money. Uh, you know, years ago, IBM was a hardware company. You can they only their... make so much money winning Jeopardy. Well, that's true. And and playing Go, that weird checker oh, yeah, game yeah, yeah, they yeah. keep yeah. playing. I don't understand why they keep doing that, how that's a revenue stream I believe all. that's how they tried to monetize Watson. <laughs> it's a Twitch stream. Game of <laughs> to play this Watson game play nobody's Go. ever heard of. Yeah. Like, oh, it beat the Go champion. Yeah. I don't know what Go is. Congrats. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but it, it does remind me of Microsoft, where after Steve Ballmer was out, they brought in Satya Nadella. They brought in a developer, somebody who was more in touch with, with what was going on. And the changes Microsoft has made have made a huge difference. So the new guy coming in as the CEO, he is based you know, on their cloud division. Uh, his name is Arvind Krishna. Uh, he's been active inside of IBM for a while. But the real exciting part about this announcement, in my opinion, is not who the new CEO is, but who the new president of IBM is, which is Jim Whitehurst, a name that might be familiar to you viewers or listeners as uh, the CEO of Red Hat, uh, the people who make Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Red Hat has been making huge gains over the years with RHEL, but also with Ansible and a number of their other products that are out there. Uh, their investment in OpenStack didn't really pan out because Kubernetes kicked its butt. But a lot of the other areas they did were doing really, really well successful. So in terms of a cloud presence, Red Hat has actually made bigger gains in the cloud than IBM has. And so the rumor mill is just really kicking up. A lot of people were worried that when IBM acquired Red Hat, that it was going to basically kill off Red Hat, that it'd become the next OS2, and I'd have more boxes to line my shelf Ooh, in my yeah. office. <laughs> um, but now it's actually looking like Red Hat is somewhat in position to take over IBM, even though IBM was the acquirer. So, uh, you know, with Jim Whitehurst becoming the the uh, president, he is now in a, a command position inside of IBM with their cloud offerings. They're already present in AWS, already present in Azure. You can spin up RHEL machines and, and services. So it's a real big shift, and it's interesting to see. I, I'm curious to see where that'll play out. Mm. And if it doesn't work out with them, then they can get uh, Billy Williams from Billy's Ribs and Operating Systems. Mm. He'll work out great. I, th I think he'll do well in that position. Billy's Ribs and Operating Systems, so that would be uh, abbreviated BROS. <laughs> See, the guy's got a platform. I yeah, they're telling you. Marketing genius. <laughs> He's just waiting to take over this what space. What was the, the security tool, Bro? They, they oh, yeah, renamed Bro. It Zeke, works with right? Snort. Is it, yeah. is is it, it Zeke, Zeke now? What, what is I don't know if they renamed it. I, I, that's that's blue team stuff, man. I thought they decided that the <laughs> the term "bro" was uh, offensive to some, so they renamed. I would not be surprised. Yeah, it's. I know that Zeke is a product. I'm just not sure whether or not "bro" evolved into Zeke. Uh, it did. Yep. Okay. Yeah, because "bro" was offensive to chicks. <laughs> and so uh, it's funny, like like that terminology. Chick means girl. It is. Well, sure, it is, in, it in is the, a Spanglish in the chicken of sense. chica. Oh, yeah. I thought "chick" meant a baby chicken. No, it does not. That is well, a. It, all, it also does. That is an internet lie. All right. Think that's right? It, it is right because I looked it up. But people called baby chickens chicks before the internet. They did call baby, but they did not call <laughs> girls chicks based off of them looking like baby chickens or being reminded of baby chickens. It was it came out of like Texacana or te or wherever Texas and Mexico. Bill, this is a good time to remind people to look back for our women in tech interviews uh, <laughs> that we've done recently, yeah. and uh, which also had nothing to do with chickens. No, had no zero uh, chickens were involved. <laughs> So, Except for the eating of them. Going back on topic, <laughs> uh, please. <laughs> which we've somewhat lost at this point, please, God. Uh, which is the, uh, the 
IBM takeover basically by Red Hat. Uh, really cool to see that Red Hat is still the most successful commercial enterprise Linux offering that's out there. Uh, they generate more revenues than uh, Canonical and Ubuntu, even though that's a little more popular in most people's eyes. Uh, it's really impressive. I'm curious to see where it'll go. And hopefully, hopefully it's like Microsoft, where they really turn things around and make a, a really big difference. Maybe we'll see IBM being a bigger player in the next few years. Sounds good. Going to bring back the AS400 in mainstream America. <laughs> well, that's the other rumor mill is that IBM kind of has two divisions right now. So there's the services division, and then there's the legacy division, which are their mainframes. Mm -hmm. And like, several people are saying they might sell off that mainframe division in the next couple of years. And, and they're wicked expensive, too. Like Always. Don and I worked with a mainframe back in mm -hmm. uh, an Farm Bureau, and it was like a million dollars a year for access to that. Yeah, because they charged based on your CPU utilization. <sighs> like, they, you know, how many teraflops or whatever a month you were yeah. processing. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. All right, uh, let's head over to our next article here from tomshardware.com. And I don't know if I'm going to try to pronounce this, uh, but... Come uh, on, go for it. China made... It's just, I mean, we've already offended women in this episode. Now, oh, we offended women. Offend a billion people. Uh, China made... Are you offending women? Is that what you're doing? Yes, probably. Uh, every day. Every day. Okay, let me try this again. China made Xin. CPU hits retail market. That was horrible. 100% made in China. How would you pronounce that? Uh, I don't want to upstate you. Wouldn't. Anybody, <laughs> yeah. so. like, I wouldn't. I know that you would do something like that to try to like save yourself, but I'm not going to be your scapegoat. <laughs> Appreciate that. So, okay, my question on this article is, uh, and and maybe I'm I'm uh, I'm a simple person here, but aren't all computers kind of made in China right now? Okay, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Really? Aren't aren't most Really? Uh, yes. Wow. Well, <laughs> really. So a lot of them are, but Intel has manufacturing plants in Thailand and Malaysia. Actually, a lot of what we get is coming from Malaysia. Uh a year or two ago in in China, you know, we've got this whole thing going on with election tampering and other stuff that's been reported on. Uh countries just aren't trusting of each other anymore. And so a lot of countries are starting to say, you know what, we want hardware and we want software that's developed entirely in our country well, like huawei like uh, there was the whole thing i oh, think yeah. this last week where um the european union is using huawei for some that's of the 5g of a gas station i must and say. <laughs> that's wawa ah both make subs but uh, <laughs> that's an internet lie <laughs> that's an internet <laughs> lie. <laughs> yeah so yeah, Huawei is a great example of that. Uh, on the operating system side, uh, several countries, North Korea did it several years ago, where they said, you know what, we're going to make our own operating system. So that way we know no other country has backdoors or other ways to get in, and we can trust it because we made it ourselves. Uh, China did the same thing. So they have a version of Linux that's name is escaping me right now. Um, I think they were actually calling it Red Linux or something at one point. Um, but it, we'll call it the People's Linux. The people. And so, so they've, they've created The People's that. Republic of Linux. And, uh, <laughs> and now they've gone a step further to say, you know what, we need CPUs. They need to be x86. They need to be Intel-compatible CPUs. But that doesn't mean they have to rely on Intel to design it. There's open docs on how to design those processors. So they now have a CPU that is entirely designed and built inside of China. And that means it doesn't have things like the management engine, Right, the the Intel ME that has been widely compromised oh, yeah. as a part of uh, Spectre and Ghost and all. Oh, so those when guys. you say 100% built, you mean every component, the chips and all that right, stuff they, is coming. The whole they're thing. manufacturing from raw material, right? Yep. Gotcha. Yep, and they know exactly what is inside that chip so that they can trust it. Now, the real question here is the flip side: like, can we trust it? So just Probably because not. they can trust it, you know, it might have. Uh, it is a a communist slash fascist government over there, so they you know they they certainly do track all the various yeah. activities that are going on. Um, 
Yeah, there's one cable that just comes out of the back of this. It just <laughs> goes directly uh, to the Capitol. So uh, in the in the article, you know, they mentioned the cost on it, right? And they they say in there because I I saw it and I was like I might order one of these just to have fun with it uh, and, and try it out. And they were saying that it was six hundred and twenty dollars, but when I actually pulled it up before the show, it was just forty bucks. What? I'm sorry. Is this a Raspberry? Forty. 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 Like four zero USD. It, it says four thousand three hundred yen and. Uh, I, Four thousand three hundred. Yeah. So, yeah. so Brad, as the, as the CTO there, are, are you considering maybe uh, just replacing all of the servers with these then at, at this price point? So probably not. Uh, <laughs> although I would say um, doing hardware virtualization is within spec for us. So um, you know we work with a bunch of different kinds of uh, uh, hardware that we virtualize. So it's not totally out of the question to imagine in the future we could you know emulate this. But I don't I don't think we're we're looking to. Uh, ask our, our <laughs> so partner. eventually I'll be able to use Silence to figure out how China's going to pwn my company and using their circuit or, or, or I'm sorry, sorry circuit it's always <laughs> I always want to say Silence, the C. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah circuits to to create that battleground yeah I wouldn't count on it anytime <laughs> <laughs> not really the top priority for uh, yeah, us so right now politicians answer until uh, Google comes so like, we're using these for forty dollars though I think it would be cool to just buy one of these and fire it up and have a network sniffer attached to it yeah. just see you know is there any exfiltration going on whatsoever um, and some of these are really sophisticated where they don't exfiltrate data but they leave a way to get in so it's a triggered response mm. so it could sit there idle not transmitting anything and then an attacker does the right action to wake that up. So it's like and, a backdoor, yeah. like just sitting there going. Certainly mm-hmm. possible. And I, we already know the U.S. government has done stuff like this. So it's not it's not uh, even a stretch to think that another government would as well. So does does China have its own uh, like Linux distro? Or, uh, you just said it they, was Red, right? Red yeah, Linux I can't remember the name. Let me, let me look it up real quick. Um, because I think you're running it, Peter. Oh, yeah. uh, let's see. So there's yeah. Kylin. Oh, Red Flag Linux. That's what I was. Red flag. I said Red. It, it's Red Flag Linux was the okay. one they made. Uh, but there's also Kylin, which I had not heard of until this Google search. Kylo Ren. <laughs> Kylo <laughs> Ren Linux. Yeah. I would not trust that either. Yeah. It's just anytime yeah. you type a command, it does rm <laughs> dash r forward slash. <laughs> I don't trust anybody who wears a completely flat mask uh, because where does your nose go? That's a that's great right. point. Yeah. It's not a real nose. Great point. Uh, All right, let's uh, let's head over to our next article at ZDNet.com. The Chrome Web Store is currently facing a wave of fraudulent transactions. Google temporarily suspends publishing and updating of paid Chrome extensions following a spike in fraudulent transactions. Uh, so we we, t- we had an Opera story the other week mm-hmm. about uh, their move to uh, to predatory loans, and as uh, one does, and now we've got. Uh, Fraudulent apps popping up in the web store, though those are not well, coming from. Chrome. This one's a little different. Yeah, uh, and this one actually has me a little more worried than the other one, uh, mostly because of Google's response. Like, Google has identified fraud occurring inside of the Chrome Web Store, and apparently they can't stop it. So their action has been to completely shut down the ability of any paid plugin or paid extension from being able to update. That's pretty drastic, and it's been going on for over a week now. So a situation like that tells me there's more information here that we're not getting. Uh, and the fact that Google hasn't fixed it means this is a bigger problem. So the the deal here is uh, that apparently it affects all paid applications. And if you've used the Chrome Web Store, you know that mostly it's full of completely free extensions. You install an ad blocker or, uh, uh, you know, some... Uh, thing that enhances a web page, adds some extra features, those kind of plugins. I have and- my Amazon uh, plugin that 
tracks everything that I'm doing and, and suggests the product. And then my coupon one, honey. Yeah, well, that's a good one. So uh, <laughs> that that one had the breach last year, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, I'm not. That's why um, you're in. Ha, ha, have I been pwned? I have not right? been pwned. Uh, so good, good point. Good point. We should uh, just get him his own website called "I Have Been Pwned." Have either of you ever <laughs> bought a Chrome extension, though? No. Or uh, Brad, negative. you remote? Have Have you ever bought a Chrome extension? Uh, no, I've not. Well, do you use Chrome? I do. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, if it, I, he's like, I'm, a, I'm an edge guy. It's the most popular browser. So I, I've actually bought two Chrome extensions. Really? Uh, you know, one was a Chrome remote desktop, so a Windows remote desktop client that is built into Chrome, which is useful if you're on a Chromebook. So if you're ever on a Chromebook, it doesn't have an RDP client. You could use the one built into Chrome. I think it costs 10 bucks. And then there was another one that I've been racking my brain to remember what it was called. Was it Pushbullet? Did you buy Pushbullet? Uh, no, not as an extension. Gotcha. Yeah, I bought that separate. But uh, it was a uh, it let you mirror an Android phone on your computer. Um, That's kind of sweet. Wes uses it. Cherokee uses it. What is it called? Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about because I've seen Wes use it in this show. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. But, uh, but it, you know, it also costs like $10, right? So you go into the Chrome Web Store, you install the plugin, you run it, and then you make a payment, right? That payment is actually going through the Chrome Web Store. And that's the part where Google is seeing lots of fraudulent charges, charges through the plugin. So attackers have somehow figured out a way to make your Chrome extensions, Chrome extensions that you've already got, right? Commercial ones that you trust that they're able to generate fraudulent charges. So there must be some kind of drive-by web-by attack, uh, drive-by website attack or or something Mm -hmm. like that that's being leveraged. And their only solution so far has been to not disable payments, but disable updating of those plugins. And so that tells me that the attackers are somehow modifying the plugins and pushing them as an update and then causing those charges to be attributed somewhere else. But we just don't have a lot of details on it. So this is definitely something we want to keep an eye on and find out what's going on there. Uh, but it is a, a pretty heavy hand that they've applied for this fix to shut down every commercial app. The other Chrome extension we all use, LastPass. Uh, yeah, that one actually doesn't count as a paid extension, though. Well, it's not paid, yeah. Because we you don't pay what? through it, yeah. But uh, there was another password one, I think one password, where you could pay for it through the extensions. That one that one did get... All pass? Uh, one, it's in the article, yeah. yeah. So, so basically, if you don't have any, any paid yeah. extensions, this is not something you need to worry about? Right, yeah. I mean, on a grand scale, you need to worry about it, because here's a problem even Google's having sure. a hard time solving, mm-hmm. but on a small scale, you wouldn't worry about it. Uh, and in my case, since I've already paid for those those apps, I'm not worried about it. But at this point, I would not recommend yeah. buying any extensions right now until Google's got it sorted out. Done. Fine. I won't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll put the halt on all my extension buying I was going to go for. <laughs> you were going to go crazy. You were oh, saving up. Man, I had this list. <laughs> and it's like 600 bucks worth of extensions. Your Amazon shopping cart. <laughs> yeah. Your wish list. I was getting ready to pull the trigger. And then this all one. right. Uh, I'm looking at this next one here. And... Honestly, I feel like I'm just looking at code um, with this <laughs> uh, with this website. So this is at lwn.net. Uh, uh, I, I thought like maybe the page didn't load, and this is what it said in, in response, because this news article is, is uh, less than a paragraph. Uh, unpleasant <laughs> vulnerability in OpenSMTPD. 
Is unpleasant the name of it, or they're just commenting on, that it's on their feelings about it? Uh, they're actually commenting on that it is an unpleasant thing. It's, yeah. not, okay. <laughs> it's not the because name of it. I mean, they, these names right? are yeah. ridiculous for things. So I, yeah, we, We're calling this one the unpleasant uh, vulnerability. All right, so this vulnerability, the, the big news, when you see this on most sites, uh, they're advertising that it is a vulnerability in OpenBSD, and that's a big deal. So the OpenBSD operating system uh, is developed with security in mind. It's one of the few OSs that's focused on security first, features second. And they have been really, really successful with it. I've been following OpenBSD for a long, long time. And if you go to their homepage right now, if you go to openbsd.org, they have a little note right underneath their logo. And it says, only two remote holes in the default install in a heck of a long time. So they used to put on there, uh, like when I started with them, it was zero remote installs in five years. So this is like 10 days since the last accident kind of sign? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then they went to one because there was a remote hole, and then a second one was found later on. So then it said just two remote holes found in 10 years, 15 years. And finally they said, you know, the years don't really matter anymore. Let's get rid of that. And so now they just say in a heck of a long time. Well, this one doesn't count as a remote hole in the uh, default install, but it does count as a hole in the default install that can easily become remote if you're not careful. So this is as close as we get to one of these really bad vulnerabilities in OpenBSD. But the thing I want to stress for the listeners out there is, while OpenBSD is certainly affected here, there are several operating systems, including Debian, that use OpenSMTPD, and this affects all of them. So if you use OpenSMTPD, you need to update soon. And the, the way this vulnerability works is the mailer daemon is running in the background, and it does input sanitization. So when it receives an email... The username portion of the email address is sanitized. It removes special characters and things. And then the domain portion of the address is sanitized, and it removes special characters and things. Well, what they found was if you leave the domain empty, that the input sanitization on the username would escape some of the characters instead of sanitizing them out and allow them to leak through. So by kind of malforming the email header, they were able to actually get it to send commands. Uh, via the username. And then OpenSMTPD on the back end would just run it as its credentialed account you know, for the service, uh, and then it would execute those in the shell. And so they did a proof of concept where they just ran like the sleep command and actually got it to execute. And then people went a little bit further and showed how they could, you could do various scripts and things to add user accounts and other things to the system, uh, which makes it really bad. The limiting factor here is that OpenSMTPD and its default config will only accept connections from local host. So it's installed by default, but it's only accepting local connections. So that's why it's not a remote hole. But what's the first thing we do when setting up a mail server? You expose it to the internet so people can use it. That's right. <laughs> and now it's a remote hole. So that's why this one is as close as you can get to actually having a remote hole in that default install. So, so Brad, I'm curious how, how you guys do this. Uh, when there's new vulnerabilities and things like this, are, are you, you know, constantly kind of just updating um, the, the battlefield to, to add these things? Or, you know, do you wait and see if they're a big deal? Or, or what, what's that process like for you guys? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit flexible. Uh, in, on the one hand, for the different battle rooms and missions that we have people uh, have available for people in project areas, we're not regulating how they go about it, accomplishing them. So if there are multiple ways to do maybe like a remote uh, code execution, uh, then we don't kind of funnel them down any particular route. However, as these new techniques come out, we can incorporate them into our adversaries uh, and we can you know, have our in-game uh, you know, AI 
suggest it to people if they look like they're uh, getting stuck. So uh, it is a pretty straightforward process to update the content and to uh, you know have all these these new vulnerabilities as they are exposed uh, incorporated into the experience. Because most of the stuff that that uh, the, the people are doing in, in there are more of a, a blue team uh, kind of thing. It's more defending than attacking. Uh, so we have a, a pretty good balance. Um, and in some cases, we do have symmetric missions where uh, you're the blue team in one version of it and you're the red team in the other version of it. Okay, so we can see how to utilize one of these vulnerabilities and how to also make sure you're you're patched. That's kind of fun. You almost have like a competition at that point. Yeah, yeah. That'd be a great yeah, game. Yeah, it, um, in practice, it turns out to be really fun, especially um, when you consider that you can, uh, if you have this automated adversary, you can just go and train on that anytime. Uh, or we could set it up so that you have two human teams uh, working on the cyber range. So again, virtual infrastructure, but now uh, you're kind of wargaming against each other. I really enjoy your your platform because of the customization, uh, customization of it, being able to build out specific environments and and they have you can say you know add these vulnerabilities or whatever and then again try to go back to that back and forth blue team versus red team kind of thing make a game of it whereas typically when you find other cyber ranges they are just like oh here's a range you know learn skills which is helpful yeah but having that ability for a company or an organization to say i want it to look like this because that's going to give us a much more close emulation to what we see in our actual production environment. That's that's the big key with what you guys have going yeah. on. I'll tell you my approach uh, in the cyber range would be <laughs> just going straight down the middle. That's, You'll see me coming, the action is. but can I, can I get there in time? All right, let's move to our next article uh, over at ZDNet.com. Uh, hackers are hijacking smart building access systems to launch DDoS attacks. More than 2,300 building access systems can be hijacked due to a severe vulnerability left without a fix. So is this saying that people aren't, uh, aren't hacking into these systems so they can access these buildings physically, but they're they're uh, accessing these systems so they can use those as a botnet. So now your your door and your AC system is yeah. I think both are true. Okay. Right. So the the deal here. Remember, I believe it was last year that there was a casino that got hacked, and it was because outside attackers were able to compromise like a thermostat. Mm-hmm. And via that thermostat, that was their springboard to then target other items inside of the organization. But what if I put yourself in the, the the shoes of a hacker? Okay. You find a network. They've exposed their building access system to the internet. It's got ten published CVEs that have not been patched, uh, not been patched by the vendor. So you you already know the way to walk right into it. You compromise it, and then you look at your network, or at their network, and there's really nothing of value. It's a stupid yeah. company, right? <laughs> just a <laughs> just, bunch of IoT devices. So so what do you do? Is uh, I wasted my time. Move on to the next one. No, you're, you're saying buying you Bitcoin. <laughs> Let's well, so a building access system yeah, is not going to run the crap. Yeah. But it could start shooting out spam email. It could yeah. start looking for other vulnerable systems. It could you could put it to use, and that's exactly what they're doing. Is they're saying, all right, I might not be able to use this building access system to 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 get at any really good juicy data, but let me just use it as part of my botnet for doing distributed denial of service. Most people like if my computer starts to run slow, I suspect something is wrong. Right. And, and so now there's an indicator, a warning. But the building access control, as long as I swipe my card and the door light turns green and I get to come in, I don't I don't think about whether it's running slow or not. So yeah, it if it's doing, smoking because, <laughs> because it is mining Bitcoin, it <laughs> the heck let is me this in. thing do it. Yeah. <laughs> it could be doing God only knows what. And in a lot of companies, especially the really, really large organizations, 
The building access system usually falls under the facilities team and not the IT team. Mm. And so a lot of IT departments aren't even looking at it. Uh, in this scenario, these access key systems should be isolated. They should not be exposed to the internet. They shouldn't be on your regular network. They should be on their own dedicated out-of-band network because why would they talk to the internet? Aren't there systems like so where, you, where you can set times and, and remote unlock the doors or things like that? Yeah, you know, so so we have that. We have a Sonatrol system yeah. uh, here in, in this building. I'll go ahead and give it all and, away, Don. Yeah, I know. And the IP address <laughs> is... Yeah. Here's number. how you get access to that. <laughs> so it, it runs on a box back there, and I don't I don't know what operating system it runs. I don't know if it's been updated or not, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it is isolated. It has its own WAN connection. Yeah, so I let that guy in the other day, so he updated yeah, it's, it. <laughs> he wore a shirt. It yeah, said, he had a shirt. It said good to go. It said doors. Ifixdoors.com. Is that wrong? He had like five key cards on his belt. Yeah. It was fine. My bad. So... Uh, so in that case, though, it's got its own, I think it's like a DSL line or whatever that runs to it. So it's really not a part of our network at all. So if it gets compromised and our access control system goes crazy, I have to take a key out of my pocket instead of using my key card. So that's not the end of the world. Uh, but it I could thought be. we just got to go home if the door's done open. <laughs> that's it. You can't get in. Oh, yeah. You get to go home. I'm out. Probably forever. forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Brad, do you think you could work us into uh, to one of the cyber ranges that, that you know, we've got a botnet <laughs> from our uh, door access system here? That <laughs> So, I mean, this uh, compromise of IoT devices is uh, definitely a very real concern. Uh, and uh, especially depending on how you've configured it to your network. Uh, like, so as, as you kind of mentioned, um, it doesn't necessarily always make sense to have these things exposed to the you know, broader internet. And uh, usually people aren't really that concerned about what it's doing internally, as long as, like you said, the, you know, the light turns green when you, when you flash your card. Uh, so th these are real scenarios that you have to watch out for, um, particularly uh, the scenario where you know, somebody just kind of finds something, buys it off of Craigslist or whatever, and then brings it onto your network. Like these, these are definite, definite problems that we, we see in uh, you know, commercial entities. How would you lab that up? Like if I had a SCADA system or you know, like some kind of proprietary system. He has system. drag and drop Foscams. He just <laughs> and, put them in there. Yeah. Well, you know, if I, I mean, Foscam would be a great example. Yeah. So, it, you know, if it's a, a proprietary system, how, how would you build a lab for something like that? Because obviously you couldn't, you know, have a whole control panel virtualized, I suppose. So for the, the software aspects of that, um, we can do some virtualization, uh, right? So again, you don't have physical access to the device, but um, as long as, you know, like packets come in, packets come out, and it re resembles the actual um, hardware entity, we, we can virtualize those kinds of things. That sounds like a pretty involved process. Like you'd really have to understand how that device worked, but yeah. it, it'd be valuable I mean, on a large enough scale. You, yeah. you can buy PCLs, can't you? Like they're, they're, it's not like they're controlled um, purchases. You, What's PCL? Uh, it's the programmable or uh, PLC is the programmable module that that runs that systems. Word? They're the the control boards. Yeah, yeah I mean you can boards. buy them, but to, to do it at, at scale, right? To have a virtual right. lab, you'd really have to have it. Oh yeah, for a virtual lab, I just and, meant for like testing and yeah. I, I'm and thinking like if I, if I worked for a nuclear power plant, yeah, and I wanted to train my employees on securing the systems and stuff, I'd want it to closely mirror that. But they're so proprietary, but you know, like Brad said, if you if you understood all the traffic mm. that those devices generate, you could emulate that. I read a Kaspersky, I think it was Kaspersky did a study on how many of these devices are actually connected to the internet. And they did a scan of like 10,000 devices and they found like 9,000 devices <laughs> connected to the internet because they were, they were hooking up like cell cards to them going, I don't have to go out and check this thing in an oil field yeah. and make this ride. I can put a, a cell card on it 
I could check it from my car just off the highway. And there have been attacks on the power yeah. grid and the utilities grids here in the U.S. And uh, they were susceptible to things like SQL injections and command injections and to all the normal things because they would have like a web face front end. Were you with me when I was talking to the team over at Grim Cyber? Uh, maybe, probably. So the, the the people over at Grim Cyber, they you know they're pen testers, and uh, they were telling me a story about how they went to a uh, it was a what's it called the power plants that use water to generate power. hydroelectric. Yeah, hydroelectric, hydroelectric plant, whatever that's called. Yeah. Okay, I guess that. that so, yes. so, uh, so they were at one of those, and they ran an IP scan, and map, right? Yeah. And did a, a port scan across the network, and they hit an IP controller for one of the generators, and it burned out. Like, it was not... From a scan? From an IP scan? It was not designed to handle traffic at high rates. Well, I mean, I think it was uh, Brian O'Hara. He was telling me that he did an audit, and he, I think it was an, a hydroelectric plant. They had something running on NT4, and they're like... You cannot do anything to this because if it <laughs> stops running, things go bad. It's like lost. You have to type in the code every 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brad, do you live near a dam out there in Colorado? He might. Uh, I do not. Okay, good, because apparently that's it's bad thing going to happen at the hydroelectric well, plant. Could, I mean, they, this was one of those depressing episodes today where everyone, you know, our, our, just our blood is just scenarios. Well, no, so Red Hat potentially taking over IBM. That's Yay. cool and exciting. <laughs> I, if you're a Linux guy, I guess I don't know. Unless you're Genie, like uh, I'm a Linux guy, but Genie Rometty. <laughs> not a good article for Genie Rometty. Yeah. Uh, well, all right, well, well, yeah, because she's retiring and just yeah. getting like two hundred million dollars. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the gold, oh, gold man. <laughs> what is she going to like? How's she going to live? Yeah, <laughs> she'll, she'll make do somehow. Well, she's a competitor. She wants to be. In life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, so what's going on with you guys, uh, Brad? You, you going to RSA or you got any other uh, shows or events coming up? So, uh, I mean, the biggest thing going on for us right now uh, is that we're launching uh, another product called Insight, um, which is more so targeted towards everybody else in the organization, as opposed to Project Ares, which is targeted towards your current and aspiring cyber professionals. Uh, so basically, this is, this is a, a browser-based game. You can play it on your phone, uh, and it introduces people to various aspects of the cyber kill chain uh, with the expectation that Really, this is uh, this whole cybersecurity problem is an organization-wide problem. Uh, so Verizon released an article recently that basically showed that over a third of breaches kind of originated from somebody inside the organization doing something they probably shouldn't have, perhaps because they didn't know better, uh, like falling for phishing emails or you know bringing some USB key they found uh, in a parking lot somewhere uh, and then plugging into their machine at work. Uh, and so what we're trying to do now is kind of broaden our scope and really target uh, cybersecurity education for for everybody. So, and so that's uh, that, that's really exciting to us right now. So even people like me on the marketing team could actually uh, utilize this product. Uh, especially people like you. Specifically, I've been picking uh, up these USB keys in the parking lot for the last three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, bad. So, is that wrong? <laughs> So, I mean, most people outside of the the field, if you're not really thinking about this stuff day to day, you, it's not really you know expected that you would uh, know what to watch out for. That people might go uh, try to look through your recycling to find you know pieces of paper with credentials on them, or you know any any number of these kinds of things. Uh, and so, because we've uh, 
probably all been in some form of you know awful PowerPoint kind of boring presentation for these things. Uh, we know that th this doesn't really work. People don't really retain that information, and it kind of leaves them the second they leave the room. Uh, and so by making it a game uh, with more like interactive lessons about uh, like how to spot phishing emails and uh, you know what is a VPN, all these kinds of things that we might consider to be pretty entry level uh, in industry. Uh, we're hoping that we can better everybody's kind of cyber awareness and reduce the overall incidence of these problems. And then uh, if people really uh, you know, like what they're learning and they want to get involved, then you know, we can kind of point them towards the uh, project areas, battle rooms and whatnot to, to step up their ability. Yeah, Don and, and Daniel actually did that PowerPoint presentation here at the office, and I can attest um, that you are right. It just right when we you leave no the room. We had no PowerPoint, did we? Did you have a PowerPoint? I don't think we had even a single slide. Yeah, not a single slide. We tried I, to, I, I don't know. I wasn't that shows looking. you how well he paid attention. I was not looking. He <laughs> was like, I was too busy uploading this USB key I found. Yeah. <laughs> Again, no one told me not to. Or yeah. you probably did in that meeting, but yeah. I wasn't paying attention. All right, well, so it uh, count. <laughs> thank you very much, Brad, for uh, for taking the time with us today. And, and if people want to find out more about these, uh, what's the website they can they can head over to? Uh, they can just head over to circadence.com. All right. And that, that's with a C. <laughs> I should just point that out. C I R A C I R C A D E N C E. Circadence. That's the way we spell circadence. Yeah, just making sure. Because we have. Thank you. What are the bugs we have here? Bugs. Oh, cicadas. 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 That's yeah. different. That is different. Yes. Is that with an S? They make an interesting noise, though. Is that with a C? No, it's with the C. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, knew that. I think it is. Yeah. That's why I have the uh, Grammarly plugin on my uh, that my will help you. Chrome extensions as well. Are we going to the, we're going to republish this podcast under like the history of words, aren't we? <laughs> yes. This is the, we did a lot of etymologies today. I'm still the Technado, the grammar and, podcast, and we kind of dipped into entomology with cicadas. Well, we glossed <laughs> over what he said when you were saying what a PLC is. You kind of that word. Can you say that one one more time, please? PLC. It was like a hip hop band of yeah, the '90s. You don't remember? Yeah, but say, say the word. Fish eye. The I can't remember the name. I know, but you were like programmable. It's programmable. <laughs> programmable. Yeah. All right. That's a word. Uh, all right. Yes, well, it is a word. Programmable logic controller. DLC. Fact. That makes more sense. Uh, all right. want to let you know about a couple of things we have coming up. Actually, um, we have uh, next week, well, this week, if you're... Uh, well, it depends on when you're listening, yeah. yeah. At some point. You want to keep going? This comes out Thursdays yeah. now. You're right. Uh, we, we are doing the cloud dating game um, for Valentine's Day here uh, at IT Pro TV. We're going to uh, have three cloud providers and one uh, lucky contestant who is interviewing them and choosing uh, her perfect fit. So that's going to be exciting. So head over uh, to the live stream on IT Pro TV. If you're not a member, uh, you can sign up there and uh, and watch that. Don's going to be the host. That's going to be very exciting. So isn't Justin going to be one of the uh, contestants? Justin is, yeah, Justin. Uh, for the fans of Justin, yeah. uh, he will be I, I recommend it. Um, <laughs> he always have, breaks his A game for stuff like gonna that. We're going to have Google Cloud. We're going to have Azure as well. So uh, no IBM Cloud this time. No. Didn't, did not make the cut. It's like the Democratic debates. Like, uh, you did not reach the 1% threshold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were not invited to the dating game. Uh, we've also got uh, some webinars coming up. We have uh, Reimagined Performance Monitor. Uh, that is Thursday, February 13th, so the day before uh, the cloud dating game, and that's going to be with Mike Roderick and Anthony Square as well. Um, so head over to itpro.tv slash webinars, and you can register for that one. You can also check out all of the on-demand uh, webinars from the past. We just did the Help Desk Pro. Uh, we did uh, DAS. Uh, part two. Uh, part two. Uh, and, and part one's there, too. You know, you can watch the yeah, whole series. 
Wash them out of order. Binge the whole, yeah, you know, have a good time with it. You do you. <laughs> uh, and while you're on the internet, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado, where you can find a 30% off coupon code for all of your IT Pro TV uh, viewing needs, and that uh, works for the lifetime of your subscription to IT Pro TV. Uh, you can also uh, request a demo for your team, uh, and that's all over at go.itpro.tv slash technado. And does technado point to... It, it points to the general Technado page, right, with the so, RSS feeds and all that. It does, although I just learned Uh-oh. that that redirect does not work with HTTPS. Oh, no. So if you just go to techne.do, it does come over, but... You had one job. And then, <laughs> well, apparently some limitation in the forwarding. Really? Like you can't forward between... HTTP and HTTPS? Yeah, or, or they just... Well, I guess they wouldn't have a valid certificate gotcha. for techne.do. So we have to buy a certificate yeah. at techne.do. It's a new system for me. I've never bought anything from yeah. the uh, official registrar of the Dominican Republic, so <laughs> I'm, I'm learning. Everybody's got their own way of doing something. Branching yeah. out internationally. All right. You're expanding your skill set now. Hey, and finally, uh, when you get over to techne.do, you can see all the subscribe links. So remember to subscribe, or on YouTube, you can do it there. Um, and, uh, you know, send us any listener questions. Uh, use the at uh, ITProTV hashtag, uh, or at ITProTV as the, uh, the Twitter handle, and, you, and we'll answer any of those questions that we get from you uh, there on the Internet. We'll do that next week. Good times. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks again, Brad, for joining us, and, uh, and stay warm out there in Colorado. All right, will do. Thanks. Glad to be here. All right, and thanks, everyone, for watching, and uh, we will see you next week right here on Technado with Don Pizzette.